Welcome to Closer to God Today, the evangelistic ministry of Reverend Jack Cayley. Our hope is that people draw close to God by coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, here's your host, Jack Cayley. Well, it's nice to see you again. And I want to swing right into this area that we've been talking about for Jesus with reckless abandon. I said to you yesterday that Jesus and those who wrote the letters and the Gospels are very, very absolute in their statement that you and I must be absolutely and entirely for Jesus and Jesus alone if we're really going to be called His followers and really we're going to have eternal life. I used yesterday the opening scripture from Philippians 1, the 20th verse, and I want to read that to you again just as a matter of review so we'll know where we're starting, from whence we're starting. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, Paul says, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And I ask you yesterday, and ask myself every day, what is it for me to live? Is it Christ, or is it something else? Well, how do we get started in this business of being recklessly abandoned to Jesus Christ? Not to an idea, not to a philosophy, not to something about Jesus Christ, but to Jesus Christ, the person. Since this is the absolute necessity, if we're going to follow him, then we need to take a good long look at it, don't we? Now remember, I'm not asking you to agree with everything I say, but I am asking you to look at your life and see if according to the scriptures, you really are recklessly abandoned to Jesus Christ. If for you to live is Christ, or is it something else? So look with me at Luke, the ninth chapter, the 57th to the 62nd verses. Luke 9, 57 to 62. This is entitled, the cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Well, what's Jesus really saying here? It seems to me that he's saying, before you follow me, count the cost. Count the cost. And let us also think of it this way. There are no demands higher than the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about the generation that I've lived in and the one that I've fostered, my sons and my daughters. And we talk about counting the cost. 
I thought about how difficult it is in this materialistic world to hear Jesus when he says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And if you want to follow me, you'll have to cut loose from all this material, these material things. All these horizontal securities, you'll have to be willing to walk away from them. Now, you may have them, but you'll have to be willing to walk away if you don't. And hardship, how difficult it is for most of the people that we know, especially in the United States, to even think about hardship. But Jesus says it that way anyway. He says, there's a cost to following me. I make a demand on you that's higher than any demand that will ever be made for you. But I'm telling you, you and me, friends, that this is difficult in our time. There has to be a transformation take place within us. Not only must we be born again, but our minds must be literally transformed as Paul says. And that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. There must come a time when we cease to think in the terms of horizontal materialism and we must begin to think in terms of the spiritual. Well, let's move on with this account. Now remember, this young man asked Jesus. He said, I'll follow you. Jesus practically talked him out of it. Then he said to another man, now Jesus asked this man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I don't know whether the man's father was dead or was dying or what it was. But the demand of Jesus is that there is a crucial moment in everything. There's a crucial point. And we must do whatever we're to do at that moment or we'll never do it. We must act when our hearts are stirred. I've thought about this on the literal side, too. What would it be like? Now, we're talking about getting started in this whole idea, this whole experience of being recklessly abandoned to Jesus Christ, to the person of Jesus Christ, that we come when he says come and go when he says go. Have you ever been close enough to Jesus Christ have you ever been so under his mandate that you felt that nothing was more important than what he had you doing at the moment? As we look at this, let's just take this passage literally. Say you're in New York. You're on an assignment that you know the Lord has told you to do and that it's a critical thing. And a dear one in the family does die. 
and your sister calls you and she says, Dad died. Will you come home immediately? And you say to her, no, honey, I can't make it. I'm engaged in this, this project of the Lord here. This is a crucial, pivotal moment. You have to go ahead and have the funeral, take care of the things and so forth. And as soon as I can, I'll come home. What do you think that that does in the family? Just such as that. You see, when we're talking about reckless abandonment to Jesus, that's what we mean. Regardless of what the consequences may be or what the circumstances may seem to be, we do what Jesus tells us to do or we don't do anything with him. Nothing takes precedence over his uh, command to us to come. Well, let's look at one more instance. And I know that you're beginning to think about this. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying here that we must not live in the past. We must walk away from yesterday. We must go on. We must go forward. We can't look behind. We can't let the past dictate either the present or the future. I'm reminded here of a story that I read about a preacher and his little grandson who were walking along beside the seashore. And this preacher and his grandson ran into a friend who was another preacher, retired preacher. And he was an older minister. And he seemed to be very disgruntled. And um, to complicate all his disgruntlement, he had had a slight sunstroke, and he spoke to the minister about that. The young boy um, didn't hear it quite well, and he said to his grandfather, after the grumbling the older man had gone, he said, Granddad, I hope you never suffer from a sunset. And that's what Jesus is saying. We can't live in the sunset. We must go on. As you look at these, this passage, all these reasons for de delay seem legitimate from the common sense standpoint. And if we were to go up and down the aisles of the normal uh, church as we know it today, the worship experience, and we were to read this and the people would be willing to be honest and not churchy, most of them would say, Jesus really doesn't mean this. For instance, there's no time when you'd be so busy for him that you couldn't bear your father. Or that there's any moment that crucial. He doesn't really mean this. But he does mean this. Jesus' invitation to follow him often defies common sense rationale. 
Jesus usually takes us to the point where we must choose between what, the, what he asks and what the world's common sense asks. That's the area that we call faith. Even though we don't see what it is, we trust the one who calls us to do it. Now reckless abandon begins to take over, or it does not. And there begins to be an internal struggle that goes on. And that internal struggle says something like this. Yes, but. Have you ever played that game with God? I hear what you're saying to me, Lord, but. Or I suppose, or suppose I do obey you, Lord. Suppose I do what I know the Holy Spirit is asking me to do. What about? That's what Peter was playing with, with Jesus at one time when Jesus told him how he was going to die. And Jesus and Peter looked over and saw John and he said, well, Lord, what about John? And Jesus says, we're not talking about John. We're talking about you. Or maybe we want a sign. People ask me if I'm charismatic. Certainly I'm charismatic. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I have a prayer language. I do try to do all the things that Jesus did as nearly as possible. Um, my nature is one of love and not of hate, and I know that. I was charismatic long before I knew what the word meant. And really all that you are if you're charismatic is that you're Jesus person with reckless abandon. You're just simply filled with his love. And you do what he did. But anyway, one of the, the things that some of us who are, quote, charismatic are always looking for, we're always looking for a sign. Uh, we say something like this, well, Lord, I'll obey you if you'll let me see what's ahead. Or give me a sign of some kind. And then he gives us a sign, and the letters aren't high enough. And we say, Lord, make the letters a little higher. And you know, it wouldn't make any difference if the Lord sent one of those airplanes over with a sign on, you know, pulling a sign behind it. It would say something like, Jack, this is Jesus. Do this. See, that's not my problem. My problem is whether or not I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do when I hear that still, small voice or when I read the Bible. Not I'll obey you, God, if you'll let me see what's ahead, but don't ask me to take a step in the dark. See, we played a what-if game with the Lord. But Jesus says we don't have any option. There are times when we must just risk everything on our leap of faith. As I said, in everything, there's a crucial moment. And we take it or miss it. Jesus says we must act at once when our hearts are stirred. 
Reckless abandon always calls us forward, never backward. His demand is that we do exactly as he says when he says. We risk everything that common sense holds dear. And when we do this, now you must remember this, this is not um, irresponsibility. This comes to that person. He was so immersed in Jesus Christ, whose, whose Holy Spirit so fills us that we think with the mind of Christ and our thoughts become sensitized by Christ. And that which looks absurd to the world is not absurd to us because we're not thinking in terms of the world and the world's caution. We're thinking in terms of what Jesus has said to us, that one who makes the impossible possible. And when we do this, we find that what Jesus says is exactly what we need. But judged by the world's rationale, the demands of Jesus just seem mad. But when we trust God entirely and implicitly, that is overall and specifically, and when we act on his demands, then you know what happens to us? We begin to live life and love it. We find that we can trust God. We can put faith in the character of God. We need to ask ourselves this question. Do I trust God entirely and implicitly? Am I really living life and loving it? Do I really trust God? Can I put my faith in the character of God? Well, now remember what we're talking about here. We said that the Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, demands that we be absolutely abandoned to him, to his lordship, that he be master of everything about us. And we're talking about how to get started. And we've just been discussing that. Now let's look further at this area of getting started. Let's look at Mark 1, 16 to 20. Notice I'm working right out of the scriptures. I don't see any way to improve upon the scriptures. Mark 1, 16 to 20. Let's just let the scriptures talk to us. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. You know that Sea of Galilee is a beautiful place. I've been there two or three times, three times, I guess. And we try to take, in Closer to God today, we try to take people over there once a year 
because it's um, such a beautiful trip, and you just simply experience the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that perhaps you've never experienced him before as you're in that land of Israel, especially around the Sea of Galilee. Well, here in this account, Mark 1, 16 to 20, uh, Jesus is walking beside the sea. He sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They're fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. Well, here's another instance in which Jesus calls for an all-out abandonment to him. I think there are a couple of barriers to doing this. Um, one is that we use our own temperament as an excuse and our own natural affinities. We say, Lord, um, I'm not... I'm not cut out for this. Um, you must be um, mistaken. Uh, for instance, we may say something like this. I'm really the best soloist in the, in the choir. Fact is, I carry the choir. I'm the best soloist in this town, in fact. Everybody knows that. And uh, here you're asking me to, to go to the basement of the church and teach the fourth grade. I don't know anything about fourth graders. I just think you're making a mistake. That's the way our rationale goes sometimes with God. Because you see, we don't want to get out of our boats, out of our fishing Sometimes we want to do what we want to do rather than what God asks us to do. So as we're talking about getting started in this whole area of reckless abandon, as Jesus said to these men, come, follow me. Notice that's all he said. Just come, follow me. Now, I don't know whether they'd heard of Jesus or not. They may have. Then again, they may not have. I presume that they had. But that's neither here nor there in a sense. The issue was, come, follow me, and they left. They went with him. So one of the first people we have to get by, if we're going to be recklessly abandoned to Jesus, as these men displayed reckless abandonment, is we got to get by ourselves and our own desires. We have to have such a personal relationship with Jesus that nothing else matters except pleasing Him, not pleasing ourselves. And of course, I said to you a while ago, or maybe yesterday, that this kind of an abandonment to Jesus, to His will and to following Him, is really not that prevalent 
as we observe it in the church today. But what we're studying here about is that we can become that way. It's not where we are, it's where we can become or where we can be. Providing we're willing to pay the price of reckless abandon to Jesus Christ. Another thing that keeps us from getting started, and you see the really the way they got started was they just got out of the boat and, and went. You have to crawl before you can walk and you have to walk before you can run. Until you begin to crawl, you don't move much. Well, we don't, we don't uh, walk with Jesus in any other way either except take the first step. But people who are close to us I have a preventive attitude and atmosphere and create a preventive atmosphere from our taking that first step with Jesus when Jesus called for that radical demand and that was a radical demand to come away from their labor. These were commercial fishermen. For instance, Peter had a wife. Let's uh, read between the lines a little. And I like to do this. Because I see Peter as a man just like I'm a man and he had a wife just like I have a wife or you may be a wife who's listening. But anyway, Peter goes home and he says, well, honey, I won't be going to work tomorrow. She says, what do you mean you won't be going to work tomorrow? You're not going to fish? We live off here fishing. He says, I know that, but I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus came along today and asked me if I'd go with him. And there was something about him that I just couldn't refuse. I never met anybody like him. I'm captivated by him. His person, his personality, I've never met anybody like him. He challenges me. Now she has to make a decision doesn't she? Peter has to want to go with Jesus more and he has to please her if she resists. Well, let's look at Zebedee. You know, he had these two boys. I want you to think about this a little a while with me. Let's say you're a farmer and or you could be a businessman and, but you're a farmer and you and your wife has been, have been watching these two boys grow up. And they're grown boys now. They're in their early 20s. And, and they can run this farm about as well as you can. And you're sitting there one day with your wife. Early in the morning, you say, well, looks like we're about ready to lay this thing aside. These boys can handle this farm. And uh, you and I have worked hard at it and kept it going. And, why don't we just turn it over to these boys one of these days and we'll just uh, take our vacations in Florida. Spend the winter in Florida and the summer around here. That's what we've always wanted to do and that's what we'll do. And so the boys are working in the fields and along some guy in a pickup truck. And as the boys make the round with the tractor, they stop down there at the, the road and talk to this man and 
just get off the tractors and leave them sit and get in his pickup truck and you yell at them, hey, where are you guys going? And they say, well, Dad, we're going with this fella. We've got a new challenge. We're going to leave. And you're standing there in the middle of that field. And all your dreams are going sky high into oblivion. Because your boys are leaving. Well, maybe that's the way it was with Zebedee. Two. He had this fishing fleet. Maybe a couple, three boats. Who knows? Planned all his life to leave it to these boys. They just got out and they went. See, sometimes when Jesus called us, there's a great deal of hurt that comes to those around us who are not recklessly abandoned to Jesus. Jesus really doesn't pay much attention to our natural, natural attributes and our natural gifts, does he? Anyway, we can't conse consecrate these things to God. The only thing we really have to give is our right to ourselves. You can't consecrate your voice to God. Did you ever see a voice without a head? Did you ever see a hands without arms that did any good? You ever see arms without a torso? The only thing we have to give the Lord is, is our bodies. And we give them to him, and then he has all of us. And he can use our voice or our hands or whatever he wants to use, can't he? But until we give the right to ourselves. To Jesus Christ, and of course that's all we have, is just us. Then we're never going to start in this area of reckless abandonment, of just being recklessly abandoned to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to ask yourself, where am I in this whole area? Am I really, truly, recklessly abandoned to Jesus Christ? Or am I withholding? the right to myself. Now you may be. If you are, you don't have to. See, Jesus can take care of you. He has your best interests at heart. When these men went with him, this was the single best thing they ever did in all their lives. Thank you for listening to another broadcast of Closer to God Today. We hope this message has both blessed and encouraged your walk with the Lord. Please take a moment to visit our website, closertogodtoday.org. That's closertogodtoday.org.